let's plug in because it's time for the Music is Win podcast. Oh, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Music is Win podcast, season two. We'll call it season two. If you are new to the show, then, well, that's totally fine because this show is going to be completely new for me as well. If you aren't familiar, I hosted the Music is Win podcast with my wife, Bethany. That was season one, as I'll call it, and we had a lot of fun doing that, but we ran into a lot of time constrictions and restraints because we've been traveling so much. I'll tell you why that is in time, but we had to put the show on hold and now it is back in all its glory, but I'm going to take the show in a bit of a different direction. Bethany has her own things that she's working on and of course helping me out with the camera stuff on the road. So we are going to have a bit of a different format for the Music is Wind podcast. It's going to be a potpourri. A lot of featured guitar players, of course, whether they are in person or over Skype. I'm always going to try and feature awesome guitar players and kind of just talk to them, pick their brains, see what makes them tick. Of course, you can subscribe to the Music is Win podcast on iTunes, and there will be other episodes that maybe are more educational where I'll just talk by myself and have my guitar in my hands, kind of like an extended private lesson, if you will. So there's going to be a lot of different ways that I attack the new edition of the Music is Win podcast, and all I care about is that you listen, give me some feedback, leave an awesome rating on iTunes. You can do that. It would really help me out, and let me know what you like, what you don't like, what you want more of, etc. This is going to be a weekly podcast. We're going back to weekly. I'm aiming at Tuesdays for putting these shows out, so please hit the subscribe button in iTunes or the little bell notification button here on YouTube and never miss an episode. I'm also going to use this show as a sort of communication device from me to you in a little bit more raw format instead of just posting an update video every now and then about what's going on with me. This will kind of be our constant connection so I can tell you what's going on with me week to week instead of just randomly. I have so much awesome stuff going on and it's really hard to keep my mouth shut about it, but I promise in time I'm going to tell you everything that I've got going on and I'm really looking forward to showing you what is in store, not only for the podcast, but for Music is Win in general. Got a lot of good stuff cooking. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and let's talk with our first guest of season two of the Music is Win podcast, Martin Miller. If you're not familiar with Martin Miller, he is an absolutely awesome guitar player, very well versed in pretty much any style you can think of. And we talked about so much different stuff, it's hard to summarize this show. But I will give you a kind of top level and then you can just get right to it. I first discovered Martin on YouTube. He has his own YouTube channel that contains a lot of educational content as well as some very, very cool music arrangements. So different sort of medleys that he's been working on with his super group. I'll call them a super group. Uh, him, Tom Quayle, and other amazing musicians getting together and covering things like Toto, Prince, Dream Theater, and 
a lot of other great bands. So you should check out Martin's YouTube channel. The link is in the description and in the show notes. And again, I can't really sum up Martin's guitar playing. You just kind of have to hear it. And in this case, watch it. If you are viewing the Music is Win podcast on YouTube, check that out. We also talk about Martin's new signature Ibanez, the MM1. It's a very beautiful blue, and it sounds amazing, as you would expect. Now, this podcast was recorded in Germany at Thoman, the Gearhead University. And with that said, I just want to let you know that the audio is actually not the strongest, but I tried to do my best and hopefully you can give me a little break on that. It was a very spur of the moment conversation, but I think extremely valuable. So without further ado, let's hang out with Martin Miller. Awesome dude. Thank you very much, dude. He's on uh he's on only like six minutes of warm-up time, so cut him some <laughs> slack. Uh dude, it's great to see you. Great to see you, dude. I haven't seen you since Nam, since you unveiled mm-hmm. this, this awesome thing. Can you tell me what you think of it having played it now for <sighs> yeah. some time? I've played it exclusively since October, I would believe. Exclusively meaning I, I rarely ever cheat on it. Like, right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's like Every once in a while you grab another guitar, but this is pretty much everything I've been playing since October and it's grown on me so much to the point where even the prototypes of this guitar that I had before just feel almost alien to me. Oh, cool. And it's kind of funny, it's the first time in my life that when somebody else picks up this guitar it feels kind of strange. Oh yeah. So like, take your fingers off my hold on. hold on, that's, that's mine. So. Yeah, so um, um, it's, it's completely grown on me. It's, uh, it's, it's a fantastic instrument and made 100% to my liking. Awesome, dude. So. Take me, we were talking a little bit about warming up and things. Oh, yeah, yeah. What advice do you have for guitar players regarding getting into a practice routine and warm-ups, things like that? How do you approach yeah. it being, you know, so constantly busy? How do you keep some sense of normalcy in your routine? Well, I, I kind of think there's two types of warming up. One is more, is more like uh, for the purpose of practice or like a mental type of warm-up or, get, or getting into the zone for performing. And the other one is just a plain physical thing. Like right now, when you, when you were hooking up the cameras, it's just trying to move my hands as much as possible. Yeah. Gets, gets a bit wanky, if yeah, you will. Right. Just, just, just to get the hands moving. So, uh, and then there's the, there's the type of, of warm-up that I would do if I were to sit down and actually work on my abilities. Mm-hmm. That type of warm-up, I would so you, it gets pretty interesting here. So like you know that the, the the biggest the biggest attention span is within the first thirty minutes of your of whatever you're doing, right? Okay. So 
when I when I have like uh, 30 minutes to spend on warming up, I will not waste that on doing physical exercises. Instead, I will waste that waste that on mm. doing something th something cerebral like figuring out a chord inversion oh. or uh, learning a part of a song that I need to memorize really quickly. Anything that requ requires your full attention, I would do that instead of just physical exercise. Whereas here right now, it's really just about get, uh, get it, getting blood flowing, get the muscles flexed and stuff like that. That's so. interesting. So a sort of perception, it depends on the situation. Absolutely, yeah. So that's cool. So but it's, it's kind of, I always thought it was kind of silly. Like if you have the time to waste the, the, the best 30 minutes that you have, which is the first 30 minutes to waste that on doing something mindless, because that can be done afterwards. Right. So it's just honing in something, repetition. Exactly. That is a big, big thing. Like uh, I distract myself watching YouTube do, doing repetition. However, I do not recommend that to somebody who's figuring out a technique. Uh, like it has to be at a point where you know exactly what you're doing and it's really just about getting the reps in. Right. Um, so it's actually very hurtful if you were just figuring out how to hybrid pick mm -hmm. and you're not, you're not certain about where your finger hits the string yet, uh, then it's actually counterproductive to do that in front of a television set because you really need the feedback of the guitar. Did that sound right? Did that feel good? Whereas if you got it all figured out, you just sit down and you just go through it. A million times, that's and that's point. for me. It's the only way to do it a million times is to actually distract myself from the 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 dullness of it. <laughs> so, speaking of dullness, is there any sort of exercise that you consider fun to do? Is there something that, like, some secret Martin Miller uh, <laughs> warm up thing, or, or any any sort of takeaway that people might be able to implement into their warm up yeah, or practice I mean, routine? First of all, I'm kind of weird, I guess, because I really enjoyed sitting in the practice room for eight hours running scales. I, I loved that when I was young. For me, that, that was fun. Because I, especially when you're young, you get better every day. It was, it was insane. I was keeping like a log. I was, I was recording some, some licks that I was working on. I could play them faster every day. It was ridiculous. Like that, that doesn't quite happen nowadays. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. It's, I always thought it was fun. And, and there is no one size fits all solution. Like some people will say, running scales is the devil. No, and no, it's no. like no, it's it's just what works for you works for you. Yeah, yeah. And there isn't necessarily one or two or eight ways to do it. No, there's, no. There's infinite ways. It's gonna shape your playing. Yeah. If you're drawn to that sort of thing, if you feel, let's say this, if you, you have to have an end goal in mind, right? So, um, if you want to be playing like Steve Morse or Ingmar Malmsteen or whoever, some high-level virtuoso player. Um, then you're going to be naturally drawn to practicing those things anyway because you know what it's for. Whereas if, if you had a teacher that made you do those things even though your favorite player was B.B. King and that's all you ever wanted to do, you don't see the point. You, you're not motivated to do it anyway. For me, the, the number one motivation really is to get better at the thing. And as soon as I get better, I, I'm motivated to do it anyway. So. Yeah. So you're you're an awesome teacher on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I've I've seen your videos and learned from them. <laughs> what do you think uh, is the best way to teach somebody who's already in a sort of intermediate to advanced stage? What is uh, you know a higher learning that you can point to that I think that you think uh, intermediate guitar players should consider? So intermediate. There's probably a million answers, but what would you yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, but, but here's an interesting angle maybe. Um, an intermediate already has experience on the instrument. They know what the instrument feels like. They know where the notes are. They know what their hands are doing. Mm -hmm. So usually they got that part figured out first, right? Right. So why don't you work on the other part of the equation that is your mind? 
So for example, what you could be working on, maybe just switch to a clean tone in case we may need it, um, is work on cerebral stuff. Like when you improvise, um, ideally, people always want to say, I want to, I want to, I want to be able to play what I hear. Yeah. How do you get to that point that you can play what you hear? I, for me, it's a, it's a, I call it a three, three-way process. Basically, the first step is you have to hear something. Yes. If you're not hearing anything, you're not a musician, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe. The, well, how would you, how would you fix that? Like, if you're running out of ideas that pop in your head, how would you go about fixing that? Uh, well, when I run out of ideas and I tend to get stuck in the same stuff over and over again, I listen to music that. Not necessarily music that inspires me all the time because that's usually the stuff that I get stuck it's, playing. Yeah, it's a comfort so zone. I listen yeah. to orchestral music or I'll listen to just something that I'm not typically listening to uh, and that will sort of... That's exactly what I was going to say. And another thing that I do is uh, change the tuning on my guitar so it, it removes any yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. inclination to, uh, to do something that your muscle memory has taken over yeah yeah but basically you got to feed yourself new information right that, that's what it comes down to you need to listen to music you need to you need to have an idea what music is supposed to sound like it's like if you were to teach somebody English and you taught them all about vocabulary and all about grammar but they never heard anybody speak English it, it would be odd right they yeah. wouldn't know what to say they wouldn't know how to express themselves so that is step one you got to have an idea the second step is you got to turn that idea into a formula now, this is where it becomes kind of difficult because a lot of natural players, they wouldn't do it how I explain it now, like people who started playing really early and they just have it. Yeah. But if you're, if you're an immediate, intermediate and you struggle with this and you're an adult learning this, you really got to break it down to formularizing what you're hearing. So, will you give me a C minor chord maybe? No. So, I, an idea that I always give is da 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 da. If that's if that's what I'm hearing, how do I get it out? I need to formularize it. I need to think five one two three five two. It's basically solfeggio. Yeah. So the only difference is I don't do, use do re mi fa sol la ti do. I use one two three or one two flat three five two flat three mm -hmm. um just because i think it's just for me as a musician it's just closer related to what's actually happening in the music i don't know why why one should be called do we could talk called tyler fall i know right <laughs> <laughs> easier to roll off the tongue uh yeah that's, so that's interesting so you you consider solfege so intervallic uh, Recogni recognition, of, of yeah. Figuring that out. So and it's not only here's here's what, where it becomes kind of difficult because and th this is where I draw a distinction between interval and function. I started actually using the term function because let's say you teach somebody to play over a C minor chord. You, you tell him, here's your minor third, here's your flat fifth, here's your flat seven. Now what happens if, if they, they play this note? This is a flat seven, right? Yeah. But then they go, wow, you just taught me that the flat seven is a fairly large interval, but here it's so tiny. Why is there just two frets between those things? That's because this is the function flat seven within the key of C minor. Function flat seven. So it's not necessarily within the octave range that you're used to ascending. It's not, we're, we're not measuring the distance between two notes. We're measuring the relation of a note to the chord we are, we're it. over. Yeah. So um, let's say, for example, um, you know, people have this, um, 
you get taught in school that minor is happy and minor, uh, sorry, major is happy and minor is sad. Right. I can I can debunk that immediately. Okay. Just by by giving by tricking your ear into something. Um, tell me, uh, because you know this already, but let's just pretend you don't know this. Sure. But how does this sound? Does this sound happy or sad? That sounds happy. To that me. sounds pretty happy to me, right? Yeah. So that is a major third. Yeah. How does this sound? Still sounds happy. Still sounds happy. It's a minor third. You know why it sounds happy? Because I'm going from the function major third to the function fifth. Your ear was still in the key of C major and I picked the notes three and five within that key, even though the relation between those notes is a minor third. So it's and really more about the function than it is about the actual intervals. And that was that a, uh, it was reversed too, the intervals on top of each other there? That was, I basically played, I played, uh, uh, major third yeah. from root to third and then I played a minor third from the third to the fifth right. But it all relate in your ear it all related to C major. Right. I'm conditioning you. I'm setting you up Yes, and which is a great way to think about guitar playing is being able to manipulate the sound of The notes you may be targeting is a really expressive thing that takes a long time to develop so ha Let's talk about your approach to improvising mm -hmm. uh, what would you play? I'll just throw this at you. So what would you play over this? I would just look at it and go that is an A flat major 7 with a C bass. So I'd just, I'd just be fairly uh, non-romantic and go well my number one option would be A flat Lydian. So my So, and then I would go, you know, I can, I would figure out A flat Lydian in, in, all over the fretboard, right? Um, I would practice different cells. Um, for example, a good, a good thing to be practicing, you know, uh, in jazz school, they'll always, I'm sure you went through this at Berkeley's. Yeah. Is to figure out the A flat major seven arpeggio yep. in all in all in all kinds of positions and then I work, work on different combinations of notes really um, let me get some reverb going here um, how about instead of going one three uh, one three five seven we go one two three five that's a very common thing I'm when it comes to practice I'm trying to be as objective as possible. Mm. Like I'm, I try to be as playful as possible when I perform and when I practice, I try to strip it all away and just break it down to the objective truth, if you will. Yeah, it's like, yeah. here, here's what I can do. Here's where those notes are. Once I got it figured out, I can start making art with it. That's, that's really interesting. So it's sort of like a, you're a scientist in the lab, yeah, yeah. in the behind closed doors. And then when you're on the stage or performing, then you sort of, let what turn to the artist in the lab just come out so yeah but, and you this, this is this is the thing as soon as my mind starts kicking in on stage when i'm performing it's hard yeah. same with me the the performance goes downhill as soon as i try to make something happen here remember i i practiced this try a pair <laughs> idea I, let's get that out let's get that out and it's just boom yeah train wreck and man you place like so well and so quick and that must be i'm I've also had a similar feeling. It's like when I'm playing a fast passage, I'm like, you get this moment in your head where you're like, wait, how am I doing this right now? How am I doing? And then it just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as your consciousness kicks in, it's it's really. Do you know the book, The Inner Game of Music? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's there's there's this formula in there that just nails it. I ha I haven't gone through the whole book, but uh, I was gonna say I, I I've kind of pieced through it. Yeah, yeah. But there was one formula in there that I found very interesting. It said the actual outcome is your playing ability minus your your uh, mental challenges that right. you're facing. So um, and that's really it. As as if you can turn the mind off and can get into this kind of flow state mm -hmm. state of mind where just stuff keeps pouring out. Like in these situations right now, that happens very rarely for me because it's kind of artificial. You're set up in front of a camera, a light shining in your face, and then go do it. Yeah. Whereas, my, we talked about this earlier, my natural habitat is playing with a band. Yeah. When I'm playing with my group, even if it's in the studio, if I, if I just see my drummer smashing the drums, and it's just like, this is home. Yeah. This, so let's talk about that. Yeah. You, you create these amazing medleys, <laughs> and they're really professionally done, yeah. and you edit it all, mm -hmm. and this is all on you guys to pull off there's no sort of backing or anything like that which is so cool we do we do to be fair we do like do some overdubs like backing vocals because we're just we're just well, four what people mean, what i mean is like there's no brand saying do these things oh no 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 that is that is a completely fun project oh no this i know is, you yeah. guys are like pretty much live it's like it's so yeah. cool to to watch and you just do these takes so can you explain uh, what goes into that process just in layman's terms yeah. like what what do you think some of the highlights are of doing something like that well this is cool we get to speak about this because I haven't spoken about it much so um, and it's on your YouTube channel yeah uh, which will be linked there's, in the there's a ton of stuff there to check out it's, it's just growing we, we we're approaching the fifth session which actually starts tomorrow nice. so I'm, I'm I'm all practiced up yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I would say it takes me a good two months to prepare the whole thing mm -hmm. Um, uh, which is why I still have two hours of unreleased footage lying around that's just not out yet because I, I cannot possibly yes. get it all done before the next session comes up. So I basically send out an email to everybody involved. I ask for a, a bunch of people if they want to be crew members. The crew always kind of changes a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, the band does not change. It's always the same people. First, The first uh, uh, block we have to kind of get over is uh, the first roadblock is having to find time really because our drummer he's like our drummer is like the most in-demand uh, pop drummer in germany he plays with so many high-level pop artists the guy actually won the the eurovision song contest he played on wow. on lena's tune that won in like 2009 or something so he's really really busy That's awesome. um yeah so everybody's got their own thing going on so we find time i invite the crew we have i think up to 14 people in the same place at that at the time so it's it's we have like at least five camera people we have my father doing the data transfers and the backup. We have a, an amazing sound engineer. His name is Torsten Zollberg. He, he does a phenomenal job hooking it all up. You wouldn't believe what is going on under the hood. when You, you yeah. just see the video and what, what is actually going on is ridiculous. It's so much effort. Yeah, yeah. We got, we got two directors. We, we obviously got the band. So, yeah, we, we get together in a, in a giant room um, and start playing music. The thing is, we need so many people because we don't use any B-stock footage. Right. What most people nowadays do, they go through the same song a couple times with one camera and film film different spots. We don't do that. Everything you see is actually what's happening in the moment. So we got 14 cameras running. You can imagine what kind of syncing work that's, that is. Um, that's insane. It's, it's ridiculous. It, it really, it drains my life energy. Uh, like <laughs> having to sync. The worst thing is you when- You already poured it out on the track and then it's like, wait, we need a lot more life yeah, energy yeah. to edit this too. And we, you know what? we. 
we, we, when we do a medley and it's like 25 minutes long, you know those Canon cameras only do 11 minutes at a time. Right. So you actually end up with up to three clips per camera. It's, it's a nightmare. And, oh and then, then obviously the mixing is kind of my pet peeve. Is I put a lot of time into that, man. The, yeah. the, the Toto medley took me a week to mix, really, yeah, Toto, before it was there. That one, I mean, it showed, dude. It was, it was seriously awesome. So name a couple other. You've done five, you said? And we've done five sessions, but we've, done, we've done Pink Floyd medley, a, a Toto medley, and tomorrow we're doing a Deep Purple medley. Okay. Um, and actually, the, all the other stuff was, we, we did some of my original tunes, then we do random cover songs. We're going to play, we're going to play, tomorrow we're going we're gonna to the studio, we're going to play Michael Jackson, Dream Theater, Prince, Beatles and Deep Purple. So it's, it's pretty much as varied as it gets. We had Tom Quayle over uh, in November and we played a lot of fusion stuff. We played some Stevie Wonder. We played some Brazilian music. It's, it's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we just like to keep ourselves entertained by just mixing it up as much as we yeah, can. You yeah, you got to. So what is, what is your favorite? What would you call yourself? I mean, uh, as far as your influences are concerned, mm -hmm. people try and put guitar players yeah, into yeah. boxes and I honestly, like when I hear you're playing, I don't hear any one specific mm -hmm. genre. Uh, and I suppose that speaks to your versatility, but what is your foundation? Like, foundations, rock, period, rock. period. Yeah. I've, I've uh, started listening to rock music in my, my earliest years. I, my father uh, played me Pink Floyd's The Wall when I was four or five or something. He got hooked on it immediately, then got big time into the Rolling Stones, got big time into Nirvana, got big time into Metallica, got big time into Dream Theater, and then got big time into Mike Stern and Pat Metheny. And that's where <laughs> stuff kind of started evolving and crossing over. I had a, had a jazz teacher in conservatory who taught me straight up jazz. Then I went to jazz college, which is where I'm teaching now. Because mm -hmm. even when I'm teaching now, most of my students are jazz students. So I'm putting on my jazz hat. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of that the whole fusion thing that people often label me as. It's really an organic fusion of having studied rock, having studied jazz. I never set out and actually went, I'm going to do fusion now. It's I, just, it's I just think the stipulation comes from since you can play fusion and you're a fusion player. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. People forget that. Like somebody said, plays a blues lick. <laughs> They don't say that guy's a blues player. They just—it's like yeah, it's not the same thing. I guess I don't, so. Yeah, I don't yeah. Get that perception. But, but if if you would like the 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 the, the style, I pro probably feel most comfortable with would be rock. Right. I do a bit of metal here and there. I mm -hmm. you know like the it's 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 this thing. A lot of jazz purists they wouldn't consider me a jazz player. Like even even at college, you know, sometimes a student will say will say a certain thing and they'll hint, yeah, well, they're pretty good for a rock guy, you know. <laughs> so for them, I'm the rock guy, and for the rock guys, I'm the jazz guy. It's kind of it's, I'm falling kind of falling through the grid. A little I bit. think that's a good place to be, though. It's a niche, yeah, for sure. And and really, you would know this um, if you want to have a career nowadays with so many people having a go at it. You got to find your niche, and you mm -hmm. probably got to make it as narrow and as specific as possible. Right. Right. So I have uh, a few rapid-fire questions as, oh my God. We, as we close out. They don't have to be rapid-fire <laughs> answers. Uh, where does tone come from? It's a combination of a lot of factors playing hand-in-hand. Hand. Um, the I would say the most important factor is clearly the person operating the instrument. Yeah. And the second factor is the person operating the gear. Ah. Um, so it's a it's a combination. Let's not kid ourselves. You take a you can do a simple experiment. Have a player record a DI signal, run it through ten different rigs. You're gonna get ten different results. 
period. Let's not kid ourselves. It is also in the gear. But it's that marriage between playing and gear. You as a player have to find what really suits you. Mm -hmm. Like I've become very specific about my tone. I'm using the, the iron heart here has a very spongy clean tone. I like a clean tone that is extremely poof, poof, mm -hmm. responsive and in your face because I can't play when I play jazz. I don't have the luxury of uh, bringing a semi-acoustic guitar with me. I try to compensate that by using a bit of compression mm -hmm. and having a very, very responsive amp. And I like a high gain distortion tone as well. And if you plug, plug me into, a, God knows, uh, a, a JCM 800 with a, a dry, I'm gonna have a tougher time playing. It's just, it's yeah. just truth. Yep. It's just let's well, not kid good ourselves. Thing, good thing you're at the Gearhead University. Yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> surrounded perfect, by all this good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next question. Uh, every guitar player drives past a billboard every day. Mm -hmm. What would you like that billboard to say? Ooh. Buy the MM1. <laughs> <laughs> True business. No, uh, also I would say, um, uh, you know what? Before you leave a comment, think about it. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and reconsider. Because I'm not actually talking, this is very interesting, I, I get very defensive about comments sometimes and it's not so much about comments addressing me. YouTube comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah in, in particular. But also about comments addressing people that I like or Let's say my band members. Yeah. Like somebody recently gave a comment like, oh, dude, I've played drums for 40 years and I know, dude, let me tell you, you're overplaying. And I'm just thinking, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> this guy has won the Eurovision Song Contest. This guy has recorded probably hundreds of albums. God knows. Yeah. Who are you to talk like that? You know, I don't always think positively of people, but you know what? I keep it to myself. Sure. sure. And if I go to somebody's YouTube channel, I'm going into their onto their turf. So if you, if you talk about somebody critically, I'm a critical thinker. I talk critically about people mm -hmm. and I also talk critically about people that I like. Yeah. And I can do that when I'm chatting with somebody or exchanging thoughts or even on a forum, but to go onto somebody's YouTube channel and to leave a big giant dump, <laughs> that is like going to somebody's house and telling, yeah, dude, this, this looks like shit, clean up. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. And I find that anybody who has an you know, out of the blue negative comment to say probably doesn't have an opinion that necessarily matters. I love constructive criticism. Oh, I, yeah. I take it all the time and I'm like, that's actually a really good idea and I respond to those comments, mm -hmm. but the, uh, yeah. But even that, but even that, you were not, this is very interesting, this is kind of a gray area, you were not necessarily asking for constructive criticism. That's true. And to do that on your channel publicly, I mean, if you were having a conversation with somebody and you asked them, dude, is there anything I could do better? Mm -hmm. And they give you constructive criticism. I, I'd be, I mean, that is such a nice gesture of them, but to, to do it when it's not asked for and do it publicly on the person's channel, difficult. Okay, Martin, is there anything I could do better? I mean, from a business perspective, I've, you gotta, you got to figure it out way, way better than me. So what, what, is, what am I supposed I, to I <laughs> supposed to tell you? I, you, gotta, you got the ba game figured out. Oh, I think this just shut off. Cool. I think you got it figured out way better than me. I wouldn't put myself in a position to lecture you on anything. So, oh, well, so no. That's, I, that just worked out great for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, final question. Uh, I'm somebody who's never played guitar before. Uh -huh. How do I play guitar in three words or less? Take your time. Martin Miller, check out his YouTube channel, check out the MM1, 
if you want a sh just an amazing guitar I've gotten to <laughs> get my hands on it a couple times it's really awesome thanks Thank for hanging dude. with me man it was a great hang thank you <laughs> Martin Miller, what a guy, what a guy. Thank you for listening or watching the Music is Win podcast. I'm very excited to begin this new season with you guys. And please, as I mentioned, leave a comment here on YouTube or on iTunes. Leave a nice five-star rating. And let me know what you like about the show or what you'd like to see me do more of, who you'd like me to speak with. I will do my best to provide an awesome piece of content for you each and every week Tuesdays that is my goal music is win podcast season two thanks again for listening and watching and I'll see you next time but until then keep shredding